morning, this is Shannon, and you're listening to The Goddess Morning Show. Today is a little bit different than our normal daily episodes with crystals, environmental news, goddesses, herbs, and tips on green living, yoga, and things of that nature. Today is just the interview, and we will get right to it because we have a fascinating thought leader in store for you, and let's turn it over to the interview. Today is an interview with Robin Woodruff, and I am going to let her talk about some of the things that she has done. But first of all, I wanted to welcome you to the podcast. Hey, Robin. Hi. How are you today? Doing great. Okay. I know you're not feeling well today and you're taking time out of your recovery to do this interview. So I really appreciate you taking the time to do that today. Sure. I'm feeling much better. Thanks. Well, good. I'm glad to hear it. Okay. So um, I wanted to introduce you and tell the audience just a little bit about who you are first. So I'm going to start with that. And Reverend Patricia Robin Woodruff is an ordained minister, a Wiccan priestess of Stone Circle Wicca in the United States, and a spirit-initiated Lemco. Now, you're going to have to say that word for me, Robin. <laughs> Lemco is the nationality Okay. the Sorka. Basorka. Okay, I'm learning new words today. Thank you. That, that means uh, the one who knows, and essentially that's the same word everybody uses, like for a witch or um, <clears throat> vedma. Okay. Russian. Yeah. Okay, great. And she has her master's degree from the University of Metaphysical Sciences and is finishing her dissertation for her PhD in metaphysical theology. She has traveled to sacred sites around the world from the Amazon jungle to the 6,000-year-old goddess temples of Malta to sacred springs in Poland and holy caves in Slovenia. Previous publications include The Call of the Spectacled Owl, which focuses on her mother-daughter trip to the Amazon jungle and learning the lore of the jungle from a native who grew up there. Uh, their guide was studying to become a shaman, and Robin writes it so that you can feel you are traveling along with them. Her daughter Coriander calls it Mom's Spiritual Journey with Amusing Commentary by Coriander. Robin has released a small book called Slavic Magic Moon Meditations in order to share some of her knowledge of ancient Slavic teachings while she works on her five-volume Roots of Slavic Magic series. Her latest book is designed for young readers, although adults will enjoy it as well, and it is called The Prince with the Golden Hand. You can follow her author page on Amazon.com to find out about new book releases, and you can join her Facebook page, The Roots of Slavic Magic, a safe space for learning about Slavic spirituality. Wow, you have a lot going on, don't you? <laughs> yeah. You sound like a busy woman. <laughs> so um, one of the first questions I wanted to ask is just 
basically, how did you come to follow a divine feminine spirituality? What brought you there? Um, it was research. (laughs) Even, even when I was five years old and going to a Catholic Sunday school, um, I just asked too many questions and, you know, I asked about like the Trinity, like, how's that work? And they're like, you just need to take it on faith. And I, you know, I didn't say anything, but I'm looking at him. I'm like, that, that means you don't really know. (laughs) And so I wanted something that you could experience. And I tried really hard in the Catholic church. I, I joined the choir and I got up in the church and I read, you know, bits out of the Bible and it just wasn't working. Um, so I hit the books and I read the Bible and the Torah and the, the Quran, the Bhagavad Gita, but they all generally were like rules instead of an experience. So, uh, my husband and I, we kept looking around and I found the Unitarian Universalist Church, which is very helpful in, in helping you in your search, your true and authentic search for spirituality. But it didn't feel this, feel this ache I had for connection. So finally, I found a pagan interfaith group and gradually attending rituals and talking with others about their beliefs and in ritual, having actual spiritual experiences, um, I wound up coming to paganism. Um, I found a local women's group, the Earth Spirit Sisters, and we held ritual together. But I think for me, the big pivotal point was taking classes uh, with Stone Circle Wicca. And in these classes, rather than doing cultural appropriation, they urged us to study the pre-Christian beliefs of our own ancestors. So I'm thinking my mom's ethnicity is a, is a little known ethnicity known as Lemco. They are in the top of the Carpathian Mountains and everybody sort of claimed them as their own over the, the years. It was part of Ukraine, it was part of Galatia, it was part of Poland. It is now in Poland. But they are their own little ethnicity. But I'm like, all right, so what the heck do the people around there believe, right? And in school, I learned, you know, you get the Greek and Roman pantheon, and I loved Bullfinch's mythology and Edith yes. Hamilton. Yes. Right. And, and, you know, they mentioned the Norse pantheon, and you learn a little bit of the Hindu deities and the Egyptian, you know, yes, you go to museums. Yes. Those are the big ones, right? Right. Right. But I had no clue what the Slavic beliefs are. So then I went looking and then I'm like, wow, there's a whole Slavic pantheon. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, here we are with 18 million Americans of Slavic descent. And these ancient beliefs are never even mentioned in the schools. That's amazing. I had no idea that that many people were of Slavic descent in the United States. Yeah, and these beliefs actually span... I mean, Slavic is a language. Right. Um, So these beliefs actually are uh, pre-Slavic language, pre-breaking up into Slavic language. 
Okay. Uh, it's called Proto-Indo-European, and it's actually pre-Proto-Indo-European. <laughs> right. That's very old. But I'm researching this, and I got, you know, totally, totally absorbed in this. And then I realized that there actually isn't a pantheon. This is pre-Greek and Roman stuff. And so the Slavs, they had all these different, what they thought were names, okay? But they're not. They're titles. And that's what you have to remember with all of these deities, that they're actually titles. And you find out what the name means. And the other big discovery is that they're all part of a divine couple. It's kind of like the periodic table. When he discovered, you know, that there's this structure of the periodic table, and then he could look in that structure and he can say, wait, there's something missing there. I can see there's something missing. Right. That's, that's what, when you realize that they're all part of this divine couple, you can say, ah, where's the other one? Yes, yes. Right. So it's all different titles of the goddess and the god. But, of course, being divine, they, they give us what we need, personalities that are smaller and more approachable. Exactly. If, if you're feeling very Irish, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's, there's an Irish radiant goddess, Bridget, mm-hmm. and she's not normally associated with a partner. But if you look close, she is connected to Kanunos. Yes. The, the horned god. Yes. Okay. Um, so they change around the wheel of the year. Okay. This is, this is something that the uh, people of the book, <laughs> right. Judeo-Christian religions, they think very linearly. Yes. They, you don't exist until you're born. Right. Then you exist for this infinitesimal amount of time. Right. And then, based on how you behave in that, you go to heaven forever or right. hell forever right. for all eternity. This is totally counter to the ancient natural religions, the indigenous religions. The indigenous religions could see, they would look out and, and be in nature and see it all comes round again. Right. I remember being a little kid, being four years old, maybe, and the springtime was coming again. And I'm like, wow, I remember this. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. I remember when the flowers started coming up like that. So, so, for example, you know me, perhaps through the different stages of my life. All right. 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 In my childhood, I was Patty. I'm a wife been a mom down in priestess and if for example with the deities if you wanted to connect to the youthful goddess of love you might call upon patty the maiden right right or if you need to implore for sustenance you might reach out to mom <laughs> of course and when, and when you're ill or coping with a death you might really need to connect with the priestess robin right so they're all me mm-hmm. yet each component is vastly different and fills different needs. I love the way that you explain that because I think that a lot of people with their concepts of polytheism or pantheism, 
they don't really know how to um how to make it make sense in their own mind so that's a really good breakdown and i i really like that analogy that's really good thank you yes and so when the proto-indo-europeans all broke up into different languages because you can tell from the name that's where indo the indian language or the sanskrit comes from yes um germanic languages come from that the Slavic languages come from that and so forth. So the titles just proliferated. Ah. At that so you have in the Slavic, you have Lada and Lado. It just means Lord and Lady. They're the Lord and Lady of Spring. Right. In uh, the Norse religion, Lada and Lado are Freya and Freyr. That's what Freya and Freyr mean. Oh, okay. Lord and Lady. In the Celtic, it's Bell and Bellissima. They're bright lord and bright lady. Yes. So they're all connected, but they all, you know, they all have a little bit of their own flavor. Right. You know, your Celtic flavor. Right. Because the divine gives us what we need, because the immensity of the all <laughs> is just too much for our little mortal brains well that's the truth (laughs) that is absolutely on point the truth so in speaking about these breakdowns of you know the all into smaller bite-sized pieces that we can digest which which goddess resonates most with you and why okay Uh, i like that bite size (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, in, in my studies, I have absolutely fallen in love with the god, Slavic goddess of Siva. She's also Jiva, Diva, Vita. Uh, it's really just a title that means life. Okay. The, the Slavic word div has come to mean shiny, heavenly, or divine. All right. She's the radiant life force. Uh, the Polish variation of Zywi means to nourish, feed, or cherish, kind of like a breastfeeding mother. Uh, Ziva in Sanskrit means the one who is kind. Yeah, I like that. She's an ancient goddess, and she goes back to before the Proto-Indo-Europeans, before agriculture. Wow. (laughs) She's the radiant, divine queen of the sun, moon, and stars. Now, like the Greeks and Romans... They break it up. They say, oh, this one is in charge of the moon. Right. And this one is in charge of the sun. But it's not like that. It's all this energy. Yes. The the force that runs through nature and pushes up the flowers and, and makes babies and, and life-giving and sustaining water. Right. So I found my research work. I hadn't read her before. I just heard vaguely about her but as I'm doing the research her name kept coming up of Maria Gumbutis who I'm sure you're familiar with she's written a whole bunch of uh, things on the ancient Neolithic goddesses yes yes how they're classified so when you see those ancient Neolithic bird goddess statues that's Siva that is so fascinating to me she is the the uh Proto-Indo-European word for swan is actually the same word they would use for geese. 
kind of like water waterfowl. Right, right. So these white, radiant swans and geese are her symbol. And we get Mother Goose. That's Jiva. That is so amazing how that's woven itself into, you know, culture. You know, basically right. modern culture has that that piece of history woven directly into it. Yeah. And Queen of the Fairies, that's Jiva. Although Slavs call them Vila. Vila. That the constellation of Cygnus the Swan, that's her celestial bird flying along the Milky Way. So fascinating. The, the older names for the Milky Way uh, is called the Fairy Way or the Bird Way. Wow. The, this is the path the souls take the spirit world. And this these beliefs came over to the Native Americans. The Native American mound builders, they have a, a mound that aligns with the Milky Way to take their souls to the spirit world. Hmm. All right. So in Slavic traditions, the vila often turn into swans. So they're the winged spirits, those messengers and servants of Siva. And these same winged spirits, just like the languages broke up and, and became slightly different things, these same winged spirits became the angels of the Christians, wow. the androgynous winged figures on Greek pottery, the, the winged genie of Mesopotamia, the peri of Persia, the winged fairies of Ireland, and, and the Valkyrie of the Norse. It's amazing. Yeah. So all of these connect back to the bird goddess. And things we do today, the, the reason we toss coins into fountains, that was off an offering to, to Shiva and her sacred waters. And before coins, it was uh, material. Because if you think of the effort that goes into making material. Oh, yeah. You know, you, you have to. That's a wonderful offering. Right. You have the flax, you have to ret the flax and, and break it and take out the fibers and spin the fibers and <laughs> do yeah. the boom. It's very complex. <laughs> right. So this is an offering of your effort. Yes. And the same thing for coins. It, it just symbolizes your effort, your work. Right. Absolutely. So Jiva's woven deeply into our culture and so many have forgotten her. Absolutely. And I had never heard this tale about her, so this is really adding depth to my knowledge because I, I had no idea the connection between her and our common understandings of goddesses in other cultures, you know? Well, and that's, that's why I'm making so many discoveries because the Slavs have been overlooked yes. for so long. Yes. And you'll see, you'll see, I'll read research papers and they're like, gee, the, the Celtic deities, I mean, they're kind of like the Greek and Lo Roman. It's almost like they have a common origin. Gee, where could it be? And they look right over the Slavic lands. Yes, and I think that that's been uh, an injustice that you're, you know, doing a lot to correct. And I, I think that your work is absolutely necessary and invaluable to all of us, you know, because so many people do have that heritage without even realizing it. 
Right. I'm getting a lot of people joining the webpage because they're saying, I did a, a DNA test and gee, I found out I'm, I'm a lot Polish or I'm a lot. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Right. So I think the next question I wanted to ask was about your daily practice. Um, what brings you closer to the goddess that you do daily? Well, <laughs> okay, I'm kind of obsessed. So every morning I wake up eager to do more research. At my bedside table, I have an amber necklace that was, I feel like it was a gift from Shiva. I had uh, I had walked into an antique used store or whatever, and it was tucked in a little corner, and it was very inexpensive, and it's this beautiful, gorgeous amber. And so as I put it on, and that, that weight is around my neck, I think about my commitment to her and, and being accurate in my research yes. to, to present these findings. Uh, about the various faces of the goddess in the Slavic lands. Right. And when I get up to my desk, I have a small altar besides my computer. And uh, I have a replica of a Neolithic statue there to Shiva. And I often light incense. Gets me in the right headspace, you know, for doing my research. And I put little, I have mugwort, little dish and mugwort and flowers and chocolate, you know, like any woman. Yes. <laughs> And, you know, that helps build this connection. So, so she will help guide my work. That's and sometimes I wake up in the morning with these answers. Like I, I go to sleep and I'm mulling it over and mulling it over. And it's like, okay, help me figure this out. And I wake up with the answer. It's great. That's amazing. So I think that's a beautiful ritual. I think that, you know, incorporating the goddess into our daily work is so important. You know, because we often in our culture in the United States separate spirituality from the mundane daily. You know, there's a big divide there. But really, you know, there's a community of people that are becoming more and more spiritually awakened that um, do, like you do, incorporate it into their daily life. And that's, that's hugely important for all of us. So... Um, Real quickly, can you tell me about the projects that you're working on currently? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so first off, I'm ADD, so the quicker question would be, what am I not working on? <laughs> Which is probably housework. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> I understand that. I'm working on a children's book series called Baba's Secrets. An old Baba, that's a grandmother, who's teaching her grandchildren about these secrets that are hidden in the fairy tales. Oh, yes. I love that. Be because in old Europe, in the Slavic lands there, when the Orthodox Church came in, they, they forcibly converted the people. You know, it's kind of like, okay, you can become uh, a Christian or we'll kill you. And they're like, yeah. okay. Uh, but these country people which is, is what paganism means, comes from Paganus, one from the country. Yes. Um, they agree to be baptized. But, you know, they know the rituals still need to be done. The, the land spirits and the vela still need to be left offerings. You know, you need to do these things or you're not going to have a harvest. 
Right. Maybe the king and and the leaders, the dukes and all in their castle, they they don't have so much of a problem skipping about skipping this stuff. But the people out in the field, you know, they need to do it. So what wound up happening is there is a pagan priest and priestesshood and they lost their jobs. They got kicked out by the, the Orthodox priests. And so they hid, they became traveling minstrels. They traveled around, they had dancing bears because the bear was uh, a healing animal, a magical animal. And they would stop back into towns to do the, the needed rituals, you know, the, the ones that needed done at weddings and funerals and, and the seasonal festivals. So in Russia, these were called uh, the Skomoroki. And I believe they passed on these pagan teaching tales in their storytelling and in the songs, performances, uh, because these teachings of Mother Goose <laughs> were hidden in the fairy tales that were passed down. So now that I'm understanding what's going on, I read those books and I'm like, oh my goodness, I know what's going on. <laughs> and you know, that's so amazing that they were so smart in hiding that, you know, from the from the authority, you know, that was a brilliant move on their part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. I would never have thought of that. <laughs> yeah, so these kids' stories, you know, written for kids, are, are revealing on all these pagan teachings. And if you have, you know, the wisdom to pick up on it, all of a sudden it, it becomes clear. Right. It comes in focus. Right. So, so each of my stories uh, included in the Baba Secrets uh, series will have a Slavic recipe. I want to include a teaching about an herb or plant and talk about a fairy tale and, and the hidden teachings in there. So the first book is out. That's The Prince with the Golden Hand. And the next one I have almost uh, completely written. It's The Secrets of Hansel and Gretel. Oh, I cannot wait to read these. <laughs> but that one that one can't come out yet until I have an academic paper presented on that. So it, they don't like when you share stuff before I they see. get so I see. I have to wait for that, right? <laughs> so I also have about 20 academic papers that I have folders started on because these are new discoveries I've made in the field of comparative religion. And so I have this one paper submitted on, on Hansel and Gretel and a goal of submitting two more this year. And then my main project is this Roots of Slavic Magic series, which I hope to start releasing this year. But the thing is, is I can't do it individually because if I find out about, let's see, Legends of the Ladybug, that might relate to the goddess information I need to put down. Yeah. So that goes in two different books. I see. So the first one is Slavic goddesses and gods. And I list goddesses first because goddess probably was first. Right, right. Uh, of the five books, the second one will be spirits and lore. Okay. The third one is pagan festivals and life rituals around the wheel of the year that, that the Slavs would celebrate. Yes. The fourth one is Slavic grimoire and the tools of magic. So spells and 
the various tools they use. They they did use wands, um, but they also used brooms. Broom was a big, you know, ritual instrument, cleaning, directing energy, things like that. And the last one will be basically a reference book, which will list Slavic magical herbs, animals, stones, symbols, that sort of thing. That is amazing. That is uh, a lot of work, it sounds like. (laughs) I mean, I do it pretty much every single day for the past three years. Oh, wow. You have really very forgiving and he's very supportive and he's helped me with a lot of uh you know thinking things through presenting different perspectives and so forth so that is wonderful well um i wanted to um go to the last question because we're kind of running out of time but i wanted to get to the very last question what would you want to say to those following the divine feminine lifestyle out there if you could give them one tip for how to live a life more aligned with the goddess. All right. The most important thing to remember is that everything is connected. Okay. Now think about your belly button. That is a visible sign that you were once connected to your mother and your mom had a belly button, which connected her to her mother. Right. And it keeps on going back. And ultimately we all connect back to animals, plants, cells, molecules, atoms, and energy. And this connects us to Mother Earth and the sun and the stars and the whole of the divine feminine. So your actions affect everything else around you. So I would say make your actions worthwhile. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Make your mother proud. (laughs) Oh, I love that. That is a perfect, perfect tip for all of us to take into consideration each and every day. And I just want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And also, I want to remind the listeners that links to your work will be in the episode notes. Thank you, Robin. Okay. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye.